My name is Sam. We uh, were here before. I'm just kidding, y'all. Um, so from what I was told just now, uh, we're going to go till 6 o'clock. So if you hear the bell at 545, we're going to keep going. So uh, just to kind of give you all a heads up. Um, what else, what else, what else, what else? Uh, just letting you all know, I teach differently. If you've ever been in a class with me before, whatever memories you have, take those, wad them up, and throw them out, because I don't teach like that anymore. Um, Logan Summers, I still owe a stake to. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. Logan, I told Logan, I said, I don't sing. Two weeks, right? Within two weeks being at Bear Valley, what was I doing? I was leading singing. So I owe him a stake. Anyway, um, Tonight, we're going to get into one of the, what, what is considered the general epistles, okay? So the general epistles, uh, what, what I'm going to try to do is get uh, a little bit into 2 Peter. So if you want to turn over there, 2 Peter is where we're going to be. Uh, 2 Peter is uh, part of the, the general epistles, or what, what could be deemed the general epistles. Um, I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't know how far into the text we're going to get. I'm just going to be straight with you. Um, there's a lot of introduction material uh, that we can get into, talking about the theme, talking about the purpose statement, talking about all of these things. And um, one of the things that uh, I want to try to do is just make sure that we're, we're kind of on the same page as far as what we're looking at, why we're looking at it, uh, what's the purpose, um, you know, because 2 uh, Peter was written for a reason, just like every other book in the Bible, right? So... Does anybody have any questions to start off? Anybody have any questions for me about Second Peter that just pop into your head? No, okay, fair enough. So um, before we do anything, uh, definitely want to say a prayer. Um, I do apologize if it's uh, kind of abnormal. I think it's pretty normal to, to say a prayer before Bible class. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and say a prayer, um, and then we'll just kind of dive right in. Well kind of dive right in. So let's go ahead and pray. God and Father in heaven above, Lord, uh, you uh, have allowed us this opportunity to come before you in prayer to uh, truly be able to, to appreciate and be in awe of who you are. Uh, your might, your power, your grace, your mercy, your love are, are everywhere around us, Father. Things that we can see here, all the senses that we have, Father, you've created for, for us to be able to enjoy all that you've created. Father, I thank you for uh, creating us in your image, and I pray that we take that, Father, and, and not uh, have it be something that we're not uh, proud of, Father, being your children, your creation, but I pray that we uh, truly understand what it means to, to be just that. Father, I thank you for this time that we have right now to be able to study your word. Uh, your word is uh, a lot deeper than uh, just words on a page, and I pray that as we go uh, and dive into your word, Father, that we truly appreciate that as well. Father, we have a hope of life everlasting, and that's because of your Son, our Savior, who's given everything for us. Father, I pray that we're always mindful of that and always mindful of the fact that that wasn't just for the people in this room or those that are meeting in the church, um, but for everybody in this world. Father, I pray that we see people in such a way that, that we understand that, that, that you have a desire for everybody to come to, to knowledge of you, of your word, and to be obedient to it. Father, continue to be with us, uh, not only this night, not only while we're studying, 
uh, Father, because we're not promised any, any point of time, any, any period of time, but I pray that we enjoy and we take great joy in the fact that we have time, and I pray that we live our lives with joy within, our, within our, ourselves. Father, this congregation means so much to, to me and to my family, and I pray your continued blessings upon it. I know that there's a lot going on, Father, that there's a great deal that, that is happening in this world, but Father, I pray that each of us uh, realizes and understands that it can impact us as well. Father, I, I pray that we share one another's burdens, that we're here for each other without anything at all, Father, no judgment, no anything at all, but that we're just here for each other as brothers and sisters. Pray that we see each other like that. Father, continue to be with us. Uh, give us the strength to love each other as, as your son has loved us and allowed us uh, the, the hope of heaven above, Father, but the, the, the salvation that we have. And, and that's because of his blood that was given. And Father, I pray that we never lose sight of that, that we're always mindful of that. Father, thank you once again for being who you are. I pray that we keep you where you belong, Father. That's above all else. And Father, it's in your son's name that I do pray. And amen. All right, so <clears throat> who can tell me, uh, so uh, Peter, uh, Peter's the one who, uh, who wrote this book, okay, maybe you've heard about debates about this, right? Has anybody heard about a debate about who wrote Second Peter? Anybody? All right, just me, cool. Um, there, there may be some debate, but there's a lot of uh, what we read about in Second Peter that really points to, to it being him, right? We, we can see that. We can see that in a, in a couple of different places. Um, I mean, one, one, what does it say? Uh, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. I mean, it names him right there, right? That's one place that we can see it. Um, one, uh, we can go 16 through 18, 3-2. The delicious goes on and on. We see it all throughout Second uh, Peter where he just he talks about himself. At one point, he gives a little bit of an idea of what we read about in John uh, whenever P, uh, excuse me, Jesus is speaking to Peter. And he's going to tell him, look, this is how you're going to die. Basically, that's what he tells him. right? And he references that. He references that conversation. Okay? So there's a lot of different things that we can see when we're talking about Peter, when we're looking at 2 Peter. It's like, well, who wrote it? Well, Peter wrote it. We could go on and on, and I could talk about several different uh, writings, if you will, um, whether it be the early church fathers, anything along those lines, those were those that came right after the apostles. We could talk about that. Uh, I'll be honest with you. If you want to talk about it, if we want it, let's, let's talk afterwards. Um, and then we'll, we'll kind of go from there. Because uh, right now, I, if I gave you just a list of, of all the writings and everything like that, you would probably go to bed and I would understand. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at this and we're going to look at it and say, okay, what about those things that are, are let's say, for instance, uh, words that are key to the book, okay? What we would call keywords, what are those? Um, anybody uh, just off the top of your head um, know why Peter wrote this? He tells us. He tells us the reason that he wrote it. It's what we would consider the purpose statement of Second Peter. Somebody said something. I have no idea. False teachers. Okay. Yes, that's true. Can, can anybody, does anybody know where we, can, where we can see why he wrote it or, or maybe the reason that he wrote it? He, he states it pretty clearly. Say it again. Chapter 3, verse 1. 
Chapter 3, verse 1, we, could, we might be able to extend that to 1 and 2, but uh, chapter 3, verse 1, if you don't mind, can you, can you read 3, 1, and 2, please? Thank you, Danley. I appreciate it. So when we're looking at it, when we're looking at the, the purpose, why, well, why did Peter write this? Well, that's the, the crux, I guess, if you will, when, when you said about false teachers. False teachers is something that we're going to see time and again, time and time and time again. We're going to see that. And we're going to see that he's talking about that. He's going to use different uh, pronouns, if you will. He's going to say them as an example, right? Uh, so we, we're going to get a really good idea of, of who he's talking about. So when we just looked at that, uh, 3, 1, and 2, he, he says beloved. Why does he use that word? Who's he talking to? Christians. To, Christians. to Christians. He's talking to Christians. That's why when he uses this word, this is now beloved. What does he say? This is the what? Second letter. Second letter, remember when I said that he's saying, okay, you know, when people talk about, okay, well, who wrote this? He's saying this is a second letter that I've written, right? So that's how we know we're talking about him. He even says it in the purpose statement of Second Peter. He says, this is why. This is a reason. And he's talking to Christians. He's talking to those that, that know, those that share a common bond, if you will, what is he trying to do? What does it say in that purpose statement? What does he say that he's trying to do? What is the first thing that we see? He says, I'm writing to you in which I am what? What does he say? Stirring up what? Stirring up your mind. He's stirring it up. Thank you. He, he's stirring up their minds. Why? What have they already started doing? He's saying, look, I'm trying to stir up your mind to what? To recall what? To, to remember as a way of reminder about what? What does he say? What does he continue to say? That you should remember what? In verse 2, what does he say? Correct. The words, what, is it, what does a word say? What do, we, what do we read here? That you should remember the words spoken. Who spoke them? Prophets. Thank you. Prophets and the apostles. Do we have those same things today? Him writing this to, to those Christians back then, does that, does that mean anything to us? Does that make a difference to us today? Can we just take Second Peter and like I said, the way that, can we just take that and throw that out? Do we have false teachers now? Do we have people now that are trying to take us and trying to, to corrupt our minds or corrupt what is spoken about in God's Word? Do we have people that are doing that today? Everybody's looking at me like I'm, I don't know, is my beard okay? Am I, 
I mean, seriously, do we have that going on today? Do we have people that we know that have maybe a foundation, that have, that they have the Word, they've studied the Word? Do me a favor, raise your hand if you know anybody that has gone away from the Lord's church. Look around, look around. You tell me that this does not apply to us today. Look around the room and tell me that. It applies to us, doesn't it? When we look at this purpose statement, he's saying, look guys, here's the deal. These false people, these false teachers, all of this is going to happen. And you know what? It happened then and it's happening now. And you know what? My kids, maybe these younger people that are here, there's a few back there. Those of you that maybe have grandkids or maybe grandkids on the way you think that's not going to happen you think that hasn't happened generation after generation it's going to happen so Peter's saying you know what I'm writing this for this purpose to stir your mind to remember to remember these things that's why he's doing it that's why and that's why it's important for us to share this excuse me that's why it's important for us to share this with who Who do we need to share this with? Everybody? Is that what you said also? Everybody. Folks, we're learning together, right? I'm learning in the same way, and I'm going to pick on Danley because he's sitting here staring at me. I'm learning just like Danley's learning, just like Logan, just like Oren back there scratching his beard. You're welcome, by the way. Oren and, and Aubrey, um, will it be important for y'all to teach y'all's child? John and Sarah, yes, I'm going to pick on y'all. I saw y'all come in too. What about y'all? My folks are here tonight. Do you think it's important for them to, to teach maybe to their grandkids? Or maybe at some point they're going to have great-grandkids. Will it be important? Yes. So when we read this, when we take this purpose statement and we say, oh, what is he trying to do? What is the purpose of it? Why is he doing this? He's writing this to us as well. This applies to us today as much as it applied to them at that point. Right? Very much so. Very much so. All right, I'm going to jump off that. So... What we do know uh, as far as timing, does anybody know, not Bible students or teachers, anybody else know about the time that this was written or, or thereabouts, what, when we think this was written? Late 60s AD. Late 60s, okay. Any idea what information we have about that or why? Well, the note my Bible says. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What does it say? I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. So it's been documented that Nero, does anybody know the name Nero? Does the name Nero sound familiar? Have you heard about it before? 
Maybe? Yes? Okay. So it's been documented that Nero um, had basically had Peter killed. We'll just call it that, plain and simple, right? And it was about 67, 68 AD. That's how we know. That's how we know. So knowing that, knowing and having that information, we can see that, that it's been a long time, at least, well, going on two millennia, right? Maybe these younger-ish folks will have that be uh, the time that they'll, they'll understand, okay, well, at this point, you know, two millennia ago, that happened. Um, we've talked about the purpose for the writing. So now, I'm not going to get all the way into it, but let's, let's kind of look at a couple of, of key words, if you will, that we, that we know, well, that we would consider key words anyway. There, there's uh, several of them. I'm just going to kind of touch, touch a few of them. Some of them are going to be, okay, well, I get why it's a keyword. A keyword is going to be a word that you see uh, repetitively, or it's going to be a word that you see that is significant, okay? So just a couple of them, uh, knowing or, or knowledge, um, Lord, righteous, God, Jesus, glory, Christ, godly, um, Love, judge or judgment, destruction, um, save, salvation, sorry, save, salvation, uh, savior, heaven, prophet, promise, uh, remember, diligent. Um, those are just, those are the main ones, if you will. There are some that would say that there are others, but those are kind of the ones that we, that we kind of look at that have either significance or we see them time and again. Sorry. Um, As an example, I'll I'll give you an example from the the top down. Uh, So, know or knowledge and Lord. We see that approximately 14 times in the book, okay? Do you think that's significant, that we see that specific word or those words? Probably. What about uh, righteousness? Is righteousness a significant word? Maybe. We do understand that Second Peter doesn't have very many chapters, right? It's only three chapters. Um, so let's go maybe the middle of the pack. Uh, love. Is love significant? I'm not going to talk to these people over here. Is love significant, guys? What about in here? Is love significant? What do you all think? Jeremy says no. Jeremy says it is not significant. Uh, We can talk after class. All right. But it's not just, so it's not just love. It's not just uh, um, the, what we would call the phileo love, right? The, The brotherly love. That's important too, is it not? This specific word that we're looking at, it's agape love. What's the difference? You've heard the word agape, right? There's an agape church. They're all about love. What is, what's the significance of that word? What type of love is that? Sacrificial. Sacrificial. I'm about. Yes, sir. Thank you. 
In case y'all didn't hear him, he said that's a love that Jesus commands, demands, that we give to who? Who, Johnny? Everyone. Everyone. Not just the people in this room. Is it hard to love other people? Okay, let's just honesty time. Is it hard to love other people? Yes. Yes. But does that change what he's asked us to do? No. Not at all. Not in any way, shape, form, or fashion. All right, I'm going to jump off of that. Um, So being diligent. Is diligent important? Is being diligent important? True, it's one of the things that we're fixing to look at. It occurs, it occurs five times in three chapters, but it's still significant. It's a significant word. It's a significant concept. Being diligent. Having diligence. Very important. Yeah. Sir? Define diligent. Define diligent. Well, diligent is going to be a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Diligent to me means that I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to do this. This is something that I'm going to do, and that's all there is to it. Uh, You know, being diligent about it, exceeding what is expected of me almost. Some some would say, say steadfast, yes. That's a way that is translated at times. Yes. All right. So we've talked about keywords. We've talked about the purpose statement. So what I want to look at really quickly, and, and, and I'm going to try to be very brief about this, okay? There's a contrast that we see in Second Peter, okay? There's a contrast between two different things. Those two different things are going to be qualities, okay? There's two different lists, if you will, of qualities that we're going to see. One's going to be in chapter one. The other is going to be in chapter two. And what we're looking at is a contrast between qualities that, will, <clears throat> that, that are fruitful, if you will, that will allow us to enter the eternal kingdom. Is that important? I can just do whatever I want, right? There are no qualities that I have to have. There's nothing that I have to do. I... I jumped in that water, somebody dunked me, and I came up, and that's it. I'm good, right? I don't have to exhibit any qualities during my life. He's going to say, yeah, you do. There's some that we want to have. And then he's going to talk about and contrast that with these false teachers and the things that they are exhibiting, if you will. These are going to be considered useless, unfruitful, and ultimately, what they're going to do is they're going to, they're, they're going to bring swift destruction is what they're going to do. So we can exhibit qualities and, and enter the eternal kingdom, right? On the opposite side of that, he says, these are these, there are these other things that not so much. Those are the two that we're going to see here, okay? So if you will... Go over to uh, uh, first, excuse me, Second Peter chapter one, and, and where we're going to see this, and this may be familiar to some. It may be familiar, um, maybe from Bible classes or anything like that, and it may not be. 
But what we want to do is we want to look at this and see what different things that we see here that he speaks about, those things that, that will give us or, or help us along the way, those qualities that we want to exhibit is what we're talking about. <clears throat> so I will tell you that they're in uh, verses 5 through 8 of chapter 1. So what I'd like to do is if somebody doesn't mind, it, when you see one or when you think you see one, just don't scream, yell it out. What's the first one that we see? It, I'll tell you, it, it begins in verse 5. Faith, faith is uh, one of those qualities. Diligence is somewhere a little bit further. Um, what else? Virtue. Give me another word for virtue. Excellence. What type of excellence? Godly or moral excellence. So we have faith. We have virtue or moral or godly excellence. What would be the next one? Knowledge. Knowledge. Next one? Did somebody say it? Thank you. I can't hear. <laughs> Self-control. What's the next one? Perseverance, okay, steadfastness, okay. Uh, what's the next one? Godliness, okay, and the next one? Brotherly kindness. What's that last one? Love. Love. True. So, where do we start off? What's the first one? Faith. Faith. Where do we end? Love. Love. What, what do we see, if you will, that, that kind of happens? What do we see when we go from faith to love? What do we see? Growth. We see growth. What else do we see? <coughs> what happens if you take one of those away? Somebody said, you would be lacking. Okay. Do we see that? Go ahead. Who's played Jenga? Who knows what Jenga is? How about that? <laughs> Probably should have started off with that question. So in the, in, the, in the game Jenga, right, you pull different ones away. Some, now they have this big, like, blocks that you can use or whatever but what what happens when you take them away you take them away and you have to what you put them back on right this doesn't quite work that way but i wanted to give you a little bit of a <laughs> of an idea of building right when you take one away you weaken the foundation that's true when you take one away i don't know if y'all heard him you 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 weaken the foundation it's kind of like in the, in the uh, game Jenga, right? It's standing up like this, and when you start taking them away, it starts doing a little bit of this. When we take away one of these from our lives, what do we call that? Somebody is what? Unstable? Unstable? What about wavering? Do you know anybody that's wavering? You know anybody that's hurting right now? 
Yeah, I just made that real. What we're talking about, folks, is we're talking about it building. We're talking about it building. Take faith. Upon faith, moral excellence. Upon moral excellence, you have the, the knowledge. Upon the knowledge, you have the self, right? You just keep building. And when you take these qualities, what does it end with again? Tell me what it ends with. Love. Can you show somebody love? Let's say somebody's arguing with you. We'll just call it an argument. Somebody's arguing something with you. If you don't have self-control, can you love them? Can you love them? If you don't have self-control. If you don't have self-control, what is your response going to be? If you don't have self-control, you can get angry and the whole thing will collapse. You can get upset, right? Which is easier to do? Get angry or have self-control? Get angry. <laughs> he says get angry. Do you all agree with that? Is this just Cliff? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> no, it takes a whole lot of patience to have self-control and be able to, to deal with some of these things. It does. It, it does. Yes, it does. And sometimes it takes a lot more than other times, right? My point being is that we're, we're looking at a contrast here. We're talking about these qualities that we can have, and, and they build upon one another. Let's look at the flip side of that. If you will, turn over to chapter 2. And it's going to be in verses 20, excuse me, 12 through 22. And I'm going to kind of, I'm going to do this a little bit differently. I'm not going to go in order, okay? What I'm going to do is I'm going to make that contrast right now. So that way we can put it maybe in our minds and we can see it. So when we have faith, the contrast to that is we, we see it two different times. We see in verse 15, and then we see in verse 19, okay? And again, we're looking at the contrast to having faith and faith. Can anybody see in either verse 15 or verse 19, maybe one of those two that we're looking at? It speaks about in verse 19, or I'm sorry, in verse 15. There's something that we do with the right way. What does it say we do? We forsake it. If you're forsaking the right way, do you have faith? Maybe you have gone astray. That's entirely possible, yes. But if, you have, if you're forsaking the right way, where's your faith? Is it still there? Let me tell you something. <laughs> Does it take a lot to lose faith? Ooh, that's a difficult question. Does it take a lot to lose faith? Depends how strong your foundation is. It does. I heard foundation. Somebody else said what? Foundation. Give me a second. 
Can, can people forsake the right way and still have faith? Say it again. Say, say, say it where everybody can hear you. It's called sin. Yes. Did you hear him? It's called sin. Somebody can sin and they can forsake the right way, but what? Do they still have faith? They do. I'm sorry. I didn't know that. That was... She brings up a good point. Does our faith ever get weak? I, y'all are still staring at me. <laughs> and it's making me kind of like, did I ask a good question or not? Um, does, how about this? Let me make it more general, not personal. Do Christians' faith does a Christian's faith, excuse me, does it get weak? Can it get weak? Where does that leave us? Okay. When we get weak, if I am weak, you know what? I'm going to call somebody in the world because because why? It's easier. It's She, she used a term that uh, I, I think oftentimes we hear. And she said calling people out. If I am sinning and somebody calls me out and just straight up calls me out, if I call somebody, look, we have to understand that he's talking about false teachers. I get that, okay? I get it. But what we're talking about is we're talking about qualities and we're making a contrast and we're talking about our lives, real people's lives right now. That's what we're talking about. My life, your lives, people that you know. And it's real. Aren't our lives real? If I came over and I pinched Brendan, do you think he might feel it? Is that how I have to make him understand that his life is real? I mean, seriously. Seriously. Jeremy, you had something. I'm sorry. I was going to say along these points, sometimes as Christians we feel embarrassed if we're struggling in any kind of way. And if we admit that to another Christian, we're worried about the judgment, we're worried about being seen as weak. And that's what I don't think the structuring church is ever designed that way. Like you said, one and two, we're bearing each other's burdens. Sometimes we have to make those burdens known, and sometimes we have to be prepared to tell someone whether we're ready for that or not. 
And, and that's, a, that's a great uh, thought to have because something that we have to realize, something that I want each of us, if you take nothing else away from tonight, nothing else, please hear what I'm about to say. When a Christian shares something with another Christian, when I share something with any one of you, I'm making a choice. I'm choosing to call you or to text you or whatever it is if I fly down here from Denver and say, I need to talk. I'm making a choice. If somebody makes that choice with you, Don't make them turn away. Don't make them turn away. How do we do that? Do you realize that this contrast that is being made, talking about forsaking the right way, if we're already judging them, if we're already, we, we've already condemned them, if that's happening, what do you think their next step is going to be? Do you think they're going to call anybody in the church again? That's real. That is very real. And if you've seen it before, I'm sorry. If it's happened to you before, I'm sorry. Folks, when we want to be here for each other, when we want to exhibit brotherly kindness... I don't see brotherly kindness with judgment. I don't see agape love with judgment. Do you? This is not Sam talking. This is Sam saying, what does the text say? Right? Because that's ultimately where we need to go. Isn't it? That's where we need to go. It's to God's word. And what does it say? Folks, be here for each other, right? Be here for each other because when somebody, if you think for a second that forsaking the right way, if you think for a second that somebody is taking that and, and, and they're not feeling it already, that, that's, that's a dangerous place to be because they're already feeling it. Already. So when you take that and you, you pile on top of it, what our personal opinion or judgment or anything like that could be? What do you think that's going to lead to? Because that next phone call that they're going to have is that coworker. That's where they're going, folks. They're not going to anybody in the church. I'm telling you right now. They're not going to go to the elder. They're not going to go to the preacher or the youth minister, or whatever the case may be, associate, or I don't know, whatever words you want to use in front of minister. That's not where they're going. Folks, let's, let's, let's make sure that we are doing the best that we can to share each other's burdens, to be here for each other. Okay, so that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the, the contrast between faith and having faith. And then we have the first one, which is forsaking the right way. People sin. When people sin, what, what, 
What should we do? I can say should because we can go back to God's Word and see what we should do. Should we restore them? What do you think? I think brotherly kindness requires us to go to them and visit with them about the situation. That's fair. If we don't have love and brotherly kindness, we're going to let them just drift off. You know anybody that's drifted off? Let me ask another question. Was it hard for you to see that person drift off? Did it hurt you right here? Probably should have. All right, so we talked about that, and we beat that dead horse. What's the next one that we see in verse 19? In verse 19, we see in, I'm sorry, we're in 2.19. It says, slaves of what? Slaves of corruption. You think that's a big deal? Is corruption a big deal? We don't even know what that means anymore, do we? Do we know what that means? Somebody tell me what it means. Slaves of corruption, what does it mean? Stained and pure. Here's a here's a key takeaway. Okay, when we're faithful, who are we faithful to? What what is what does Peter call himself in the very first verse? He says he is a what bond servant. What is that? That's a slave. That's a slave. Who are we slaves to when we're faithful? When we're slaves of corruption, who are we slaves to? Sin. Oftentimes, people will have the mindset and the thought that when, when I go back into the world or when I'm part of the world and doing anything that I want to, that they're free, right? That's what you hear. Peter's saying that these people, these false teachers, the qualities that they have is leading to ultimately to destruction, right? But when they're doing all of these things, would you say that they are free? Are they free? Some people are shaking their heads. Why why aren't they free? I can do whatever I want. It doesn't matter, right? They're free. I should have excluded elders from answering questions. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. No, I'm, I'm totally kidding. Yes. Yes. In, in the same verse, he says that they are, you know, they're brought into bondage. He's in the Yes. <clears throat> it says that, that he is enslaved. That's the ending word that he uses, right? He's enslaved to those things. So if somebody says, oh man, I get to do whatever I want, you know, that's no big deal. 
you become a slave to that. You become a slave to that lifestyle. You become a slave to those things, those habits, those, the list goes on and on, right? So when somebody says, oh, I'm free, I'm not, you know, I think we probably need to sit down and have a conversation with them. Yes, sir. It's real stuff, folks. It's very real. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when, when I teach and I get real, it, it's uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable teaching it sometimes. Because it's real. It's real people's lives. It's my life. So don't think that it's like, oh, well, he's just up there. No, no, no. I realize that it's people's lives that we're talking about. It's my own that we're talking about. Going on to the next one. We we were talking about, I'm sorry, did anybody have anything else? Well, I would just add that that, uh, servants of corruption, uh, if you observe most of them, uh, they're addicted. It's an addiction. It is. Addiction is hard to break and to teach them that there is a way out. Yes. And, and it can it can become that. You're right. You're right. It can become an addiction. And, and oftentimes we associate that word with certain things. But, but sometimes it's just a lifestyle. That's right. So the next one uh, that we're talking about and, and the contrast is moral excellence. What did you say that it was in your, in your version, David? Uh, virtue. Say again? I'm sorry. Virtue. virtue. All right. So virtue in... in um, somebody said... Who said goodness? Somebody said goodness, right? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe <clears> not. <throat> So what we're talking about is we're talking about moral excellence. We're talking about virtue. That's kind of what we're looking at. It, it, it's a, it's a, when somebody exhibits a character, a character that, that's worthy of praise, that's, that's probably the, the definition that we can probably go with. Okay. What's the, what's the opposite of that? The opposite of that, it, it, we see it in two different verses. We see it in verse 11 and we see it in verse 13. Again, we're contrasting. Let's, let's keep in mind what we're talking about here. We're talking about contrast. If we're talking about moral excellence or virtue or goodness, what's the opposite? Okay, if we don't maybe want to say contrast, what's the opposite of that? Verse 11 is, is the first one, and then verse 13. And for the sake of time, I'll just kind of tell you what they are. So verse 11 says, uh, the, the one that, that we're looking at, eyes full of adultery that never cease from. David, what did you call it earlier when somebody forsakes the right way? Sin. Eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin. Verse 13, the one that we're looking at there, is that they count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. Pretty good examples, right? I'm going to move on to the next one. The next one is knowledge. So again, we're building. Let's remember that we've already built. We had faith, moral excellence, or virtue, or goodness. The next one is going to be knowledge. What's the opposite of that? 
What's the opposite of knowledge found in verse 12? Logan Summers. Ignorance. What's another one? What's another, what, what does yours say? Irrational. Irrational? Okay. What's another way? Verse 12. Reveling where they have no knowledge. The opposite of knowledge, the, the contrast to knowledge is not having knowledge. Right? Moving on to the next one, the one that we kind of harped on for a little while. Self-control. The opposite of that or the contrast to that is never ceasing from sin. We find that in verse 14. Excuse me. And then in verse 19, the same one that we talked about whenever we talked about faith. What was that? Slave of what? Uh, slave of corruption. I'm sorry. That's the one I was looking for. That's the one I was looking for. Do you see how we're going the opposite way? So on the one side, we're talking about the qualities that we want to have, that we desire to have, and we're going this way, Right? On the opposite side of that, when we look at them and we're looking at those uh, qualities that are going to lead to destruction, which way are we going? We're going down. Continuing on, we have perseverance. I'm going to say this, and I apologize. It's it's something that I I forgot about. Somebody read for me chapter 3, verse 4. Chapter 3, verse 4. What were they showing there? They were showing their ignorance. Do you think they were being patient? Why were they not being patient? What were they saying? Let's remember, this was written in about 67 or 68 AD, right? How long has it been since Jesus was on the earth? 30, 35 years. And already they're saying, where is he? This uh, Jesus that you have faith in, this guy, that, uh, uh, he, he said that he was going to return. Where, where is he? They're asking the question, where is the promise of his coming? They're asking that already. What's he, so we're talking about the opposite of perseverance, right? Being patient, waiting, living with these types of qualities, right? He's saying, look, you, you know, you know that we're going to have to be patient. And these false teachers are saying, ah. what does that sound like today? What do people in the world say today? What do false teachers say today? How do they approach it? What is a way that they approach you and say, uh, he's not coming back? That's what they were saying. Bodily 
Can you say that a little bit louder, please, David? I, I, let me turn this ear this way, because this is my bad ear. The Bible doesn't have meaning now, today. Is that true? Is it true? Can I just take my Bible and just set it on a shelf, like the elf on the shelf, never look at it, never... Is that what I can do with the Bible? You can. Yes, you can. You most certainly can. But when they approach in that way, they approach it and they say, um, why don't you look at this over here? And I could list all kinds of things, right? That people say, look at this and look at this and look at the here and now. Maybe it's this way. Live for when? Live for when? Live for today. Live freely. Do whatever you want to do. That's how they approach it. They weren't approaching it in this way, oh, where's the promise of His coming? They say, now you can do whatever you want to do. That's how they approach it. The wording's not going to be the same. We're two, almost 2,000 years after the fact. The these and the thous and all of that, ah, people don't use those so much. But that's how they approach it. Who do you think is approached this way? Who gets approached this way? True. Yes. Young people are. I don't know. Are y'all approached that way? I'm going to look over here because there's a lot of young folks over here. Do y'all get approached that way? Do they approach it in this way, maybe? In college classes? In high school? In junior high? Do you think for a second that that doesn't happen? David, you're an administrator. Does that happen? Did you hear what he said? He said not directly. That's first warning for the six o'clock bell. All right. Thank you. It doesn't happen directly. You're in middle school, right? Administrator? Do you think it gets any better as they go into high school, maybe? I'm going to ask the college folks or college age or if you will or anybody what's a word that they use a one word starts with a C what is a word that they use nowadays let me ask a different question 
Yeah, looking at me like I'm funny. Yes, there are. Okay. <clears throat> Say it again. Culture. Is our culture different from the way that it was back in the biblical times? Culture? Our culture is so advanced. Our technology is so advanced. Why do you believe in XYZ? Why do you believe in creation? We're talking about contrast. What do they teach now? Well, I guess they've been teaching it for a while, but it's more bold. I'll tell you this, they teach it no longer as a theory, they teach it as fact. Although it's a theory, it starts with an E. What am I talking about? Evolution. Evolution. Can be. When they get into it, can it's be. more complicated. Well, the culture did. We may be more technologically advanced today, but the culture then still was not contingent upon God. There, it may have been more religious, but it was in all these gods that didn't exist. And, and as the Bible describes them, they were they're just wood. You're just metal. You just speak to them, but they would never do anything for you. So that was all the culture was. Were these gods that we worship? What did they ever do? Who has one of these? Who doesn't? Thank you, Cliff. Who doesn't? Right? How many of us use these uh, a lot? Daily? Do you think for a second that people wouldn't look at that and go, well, that's a piece of metal? No big deal, right? What comes through on those? Everything. 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 Yes, sir. A desire for knowledge. Is that one of the ones that we've talked about already? What do we... The knowledge is great. What's super important that we have knowledge of? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Could be. I think the important thing is to start off with to have faith, you've got to have some knowledge. And then guess what? We're told to add to it. We are. We are. It's important. It is. Very much so. I'm going to try to hit these last three. Just boom, boom, boom. Cool? All right. (laughs) Perseverance. Patience, if you will. Next one is going to be godliness. Uh, Verse 15, uh, 215 says, Love, wages of unrighteousness. Did I just get cut off? Hello? No? Okay. So the next one is, the next one is brotherly kindness. Um, so two, uh, what we see in verse 14 and verse 18, uh, they, they entice unstable souls. Those that we talked about that are doing this, right? Like the Jenga. 
Uh, Christians, of course, obviously. New Christians. New Christians can sometimes do this. Where are a lot of new Christians coming from nowadays because of evangelism? Or where can they come from? Where are they coming out of? Lacey? The world. That's a good thing, right? That's a good thing that we're, we're having them come from out of the world. But it's important. It's important that we continue showing that brotherly kindness, that, that love, that agape love, right? So the last one is going to be love. In verse 19, uh, there's a promise. They, they promised freedom is what they did. But what are they really doing? In verse 19, it says that they're ultimately going to become what? What's the last word? Enslaved. They promise, oh, you'll be free. You don't have to worry about all this religion and all of these things that, you, you know, that, that it's saying that you need to do. Don't even worry about it. But ultimately... They promise that, but it leads to what? Corruption. That's what it leads to. Anybody have any questions, comments, uh, anything? No tomatoes, please. I, I don't like tomatoes. I got a kind of, That's why I wore this shirt color. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I appreciate y'all's time. Seriously, it's, it's a, a privilege for me to be here. I, I really sincerely mean that. Thank you for your time, attention. Uh, if anybody has any questions, um, if you want to study, no, seriously, uh, let me know. I mean, uh, I'm more than happy to. Um, yeah, thank y'all. I appreciate it.